Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief for Commercial Baking, and I'm speaking with Stephen Hallam, Brand Ambassador for Dickinson & Morris and Chair of Judges for the Tip Tree World Bread Awards, which will take place at IBIE 2022, September 18th through 21st in Las Vegas. This season, we are exploring the principles of artisan bread baking that can and should be incorporated into commercial bread production. In this episode, we are focused on time and temperature, often considered to be the most important factors in the artisan process. Hi, Stephen. I'm so excited to talk to you about this particular topic because I think that time and temperature apply to any bread baking process, but I think that it's it's an important lesson that has to be mastered for the commercial process. I wouldn't disagree. Majority of breads are fermented. Fermentation by its very nature introduces flavor and that flavor comes as a byproduct of the fermentation, which is acidity. The more you ferment, the more acidity, the more flavor you get. The other important asset of fermentation is as gas is being produced, it's stretching the dough. We're assuming the dough has been mixed appropriately. So uh, you do have your gluten matrix, your framework there that contains the gas, the carbon dioxide as it's fermenting and therefore rises. In so doing, it's therefore stretching the gluten and it's beginning to nurture, to uh, temper it so that it's not inert and hard. The importance of doing that, of course, is that when the loaf is eventually going to go into the oven, it will rise. It won't just snap and fell because the protein hasn't been correctly tempered. Now, we assume we've mixed appropriately. We, we've got enough water in there. That's uh, The water absorption of the flour is important. The speed at which fermentation happens can be influenced by initially the amount of yeast one uses or if you, let's assume we're not going to use yeast we're using it from a sponge but that will influence it as will the temperature of the dough itself let's assume that we're doing something wrong and and we've we've made a dough and we've we've mixed it very very quickly in a machine because we're in a hurry and we don't want to uh, be hanging around slowly, letting it mix. We, we've done it very quickly. The first thing that will happen is that you'll have introduced quite a lot of heat into the dough through the friction of mixing. You can help to counteract that by chilling your flour and chilling your water. But in creating too much heat, the whole process can run away with you too quickly. Now, there is an infatuation within some elements of the uh, baking industry to do everything very, very quickly. Loads of yeast in a dough to increase the fermentation time of the proof time and and into the oven. So you're in and out and, and in double quick time and producing more because you've got a lot to do. 
Whereas if you work on a cold dough, you allow fermentation to happen overnight. It's creating a stronger structure within the dough and therefore the finished loaf. You'll create more flavor. And some schools have thought it's going to be more digestible. If you're doing things very, very quickly, you're going to have to add things to it to help speed it along. So the combination between uh, uh, fermentation and temperature, so keeping things cool, if fermentation can be with a sour, you have an ongoing sourdough that you refresh by adding more flour and water to it. Uh, so that keeps it ongoing. It keep, keeps a fairly consistent level of acidity in there. If you have too much acidity, it's going to end up destroying your gluten framework in your dough. Keep that consistent. That controls your your acidity, if you like, that you're putting into the dough. You make your dough cold water, leave it to ferment, possibly overnight. Different bakeries will do uh, different processes or different lengths of time that suits them. This is what we would call a bulk fermentation. At some point, the dough may be knocked back baker's term there so uh, as it rises you you knock it back so that introduces more air in there it refreshes it but it also therefore refreshes the fermentation process so that the more stretching of the the gluten framework will happen and then you'll eventually come to dividing the dough and molding it into its final shape which from an authentic sourdough point of view you hardly do anything with it you know you're you're, you've created all the structure inside there over long for it could be a two-day fermentation now all of that can be speeded up but you're going to lose a lot of texture you're going to lose a lot of flavor and you're not going to be in control of what you're doing if it's too hot you kind of sparked something for me because last week you said something about how from a business perspective commercial bakeries are often focused on efficiencies. And I do agree with you that we are in a culture of sort of immediate gratification and we have to do everything faster. But I think it's so important to recognize the difference between efficiency and speed because you can do something efficiently without speeding up the process and sacrifice of the quality of the product. So I think that, you know, the, the fermentation process can be automated, but not for the purpose of making it go faster, because that is counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish. Yes, I've, I was talking to a colleague earlier this week, and they make a, uh, a sourdough. It's 80% hydration, so there's a huge amount of water in there. And his biggest challenge is to make sure the bakers don't uh, abuse the recipe and put less water in so it's easier to handle. When it came to scale the dough, all they needed was one kilo pieces. And they would have five people for about five hours scaling this and and, and very difficult to handle and placing it into the baskets that they used, then be left in the fridge overnight before they baked it the next day. And he's now obtained a machine. It's an Italian dividing machine that has incredibly improved this whole dividing process with absolutely no detriment to the dough whatsoever everybody hated doing it because and it took so long and they were dealing with a product that was so sticky and, and and what have you that was the nature of the loaf 
and he's found this dividing machine that within sort of 10 grams divides this dough. You wouldn't think there would be a machine available to do it, but there is. That's actually enhanced his product and he's made it more efficient because his bakers could have been 30 or 40 grams out with hand dividing. They were felling the dough, you know, they they were at times not meaning to, but they were stretching it and doing things with it they didn't want to because it was so sticky, but that doesn't now happen. So that's an indication that um, a a small craft baker, as he is, has has found a piece of uh, equipment that's made that process not just more efficient, but actually improved the product for it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Let's take a break from this episode of Troubleshooting Innovation to talk about Commercial Baking's partnership with the International Baking Industry Exposition. As IBIE's gold media partner, Commercial Baking has provided all new media products to help attendees and exhibitors get the most from this year's show. Check out our IBIE monthly newsletter, IBIE Show Guide Digital Edition, and our IBIE booth trailers by visiting commercialbaking.com. And don't forget to come see us at IBIE booth 3125 in the West Hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. We'll see you at IBIE. So the other factor is temperature, and it's obviously very critical to the process, but temperature means more than just the oven, right? Yes, it does. You've got the temperature of the dough, first of all. So you want to be keeping that consistently cool and don't try and uh, speed it along by keeping it in a hot environment. Hot environment can introduce other faults. You know, it can cause the dough to skin. It won't actually increase the rate of fermentation. That's going to be uh, fairly consistent by the amount of yeast or let's say natural yeast whatever it might be that's in the dough putting it into a a hot environment isn't going to radically uh, speed that up at all it just create other problems further along the line but it it also just creates instability for the dough because you you want to be able to handle it that sort of refers to the bakery itself you know you they can be pretty warm places but it's about the dough and you're protecting the dough from its surroundings. You want to be presenting that dough when it goes to the oven in the best possible way you can. So chilling the dough can actually uh, set it up. It firms it up because it's been fermenting for quite a long time. Let's say you've given it its, its final mold and, and its final proof. And if it's been in too warm a place it will be unstable so a a little bit of chill i'm not suggesting it's put in a fridge or a freezer or anything like that but certainly giving it time if 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 you've taken your final loaves out of a uh, let's say you finally molded and proved loaves out of a proving cabinet or what have you and they go straight into the oven you'll get a very different result as if you can just given a, a period of rest of a period of stability outside of a proving cabinet um, you can almost see them rise in the chill I, i've seen bread rolls as an example they come out of a prover and, and they're almost a bit sticky because there's been too much steam and 
baker's been trying to move it along too quickly and just by leaving them in the bakery that was naturally cooler from where they were you, you just see them set up they rise and, and you'll get a much better result once they're baked yeah I talked to a baker once that told me between the proof box and the oven, they had a conveyor system set up where he just wanted the loaves to sort of take a ride and sort of chill out, if you will, and relax before they went into the oven. So they circled this area of the bakery where they just sort of around the perimeter, rode around on the conveyor belt so that they could have that that rest time. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. And uh, there's a science behind all of this, because baking is a science. Cooking is an art. I agree with you 100%. A scoop of this and a scoop of that, whereas baking is, you know, you've got a recipe that there's a reason and it works, and uh, it's, uh, there's recipe balance and technicality of it. And, and associated with that is, is this uh, um, understanding temperature. And since we mentioned it, temperature of the oven is important that uh, it's neither too cold nor too hot. When you put the dough into the oven, it's going to rise. Let's say this is assuming it's a good hot oven, which we talk of a bread oven, don't we? Um, 450 uh, Fahrenheit, and or if you're doing pizzas, even hotter. And assuming that the, the dough is in a good condition when it's presented to the oven, it will rise. And if you've injected steam, to get a nice bloom and get a good crust on the dough. That's done initially. Then we, um, you might just want to turn the temperature back a little bit. If it is a traditional sourdough, then yes, you've got to be a, a lot more careful because it's a very dense loaf. There's top, bottom and sides, you know, and the, the bottom uh, of the loaf will be on the sole of the oven. So you need to be controlling your top and bottom heat there. And it's going to need to be in the oven longer. Because remember, there'll be a lot of water, a lot of water in that uh, loaf. And you need, need to bake it out. And it's quite interesting with what I, I would call archetypal traditional sourdoughs. You know, very dark in colour. That's not because they're burnt. You take a whiff of them and it's there's a richness from all the dextrins and caramelization that's gone on during the baking. And that's happened during this uh, long fermentation process because that is a natural trait and a natural characteristic. Have you ever had a scenario where you've been with someone, maybe a consumer, maybe someone who doesn't have the level of expertise that you have or expert senses that you have? You've seen someone sort of make that erroneous assumption about a loaf of bread yes it's a simple answer <laughs> um what i find encouraging nowadays and and this has come to the fore since the pandemic so it's a positive side of the pandemic is people are much more attuned to the texture of homemade bread and uh, of sourdough because it, it's gone back to simple ingredients They've not been throwing loads of fat and butter or lard or what have you in there to make a softer crumb or extend it. They've not been putting sugar in there. They've just been using the basic four, three or four ingredients. And that naturally gives a different color to the crumb. You know, it's not bright white. It's not springy. It's not particularly soft or resilient. And they now, they've changed their opinion of 
to them, that is how bread should be and not necessarily what we would call wrapped white sliced over here in the UK, where, where it's, it's something that is very, very soft. It's a very, very close texture. Albeit, you see, in a, in a sliced loaf, you're going to get cross panning happening when it's put into a tin, which alt, alters the structure of the dough altogether, which makes it stronger when it's sliced and makes it look lighter on a cut slice when the light shines on it. There aren't such deep holes in the crumb that would absorb the light. So um, you, you, you've got your cells, if you like, going from top to bottom of uh, the slice as opposed to uh, through the centre. It's a characteristic of cross panning that commercial bakeries use. Unacceptable, totally acceptable to increase the, the strength of the structure of the crumb. And that relates to the housewife because they're going to go and spread some butter or Nutella or peanut butter, whatever it might be on it. And if, if uh, the, cr- the crumb wall separates uh, from the crust, they will deem it to be bad bread. And the baker doesn't know what he's doing. So to, in- to increase that, the strength cross panning is used. But we've departed a little bit from temperature. The, the golden rule with temperature is keep it cool. You get a much, much more stable dough right the way through the process, all the way through your fermentation and for molding, proving, baking, etc. If you're just using cold flour, cold water, um, I, th- I think there's a principle that you will read in in the student baking books that water temperature of a dough should be twice your flour temperature minus a particular factor of the building. Uh, but it, that ends up as quite a warm dough. Um, but but you, you're not in control of it. It's in control of you. You said keep it cool. And I, I love that because I, I feel like this is probably an extremely basic observation, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Um, it's a really big mistake when you mentioned that people are a little bit obsessed with time and doing things very quickly. So the last thing a baker wants to do is bake at a higher temperature for a shorter amount of time right oh my goodness well you, you're not going to get you're not going to get the penetration in there a- a- absolutely uh, diabolical if someone's doing that yeah it, it, it's they're not a baker are they because the, right the, the, that, the, that's the, beyond the, a rookie mistake <laughs> yeah that's blasphemous <laughs> you know they, they, they the loaf is baked when it's baked and and uh, that takes as long as it takes and and you shouldn't be trying to influencing it by pushing it along and cutting corners here or or, or uh, higher temperature so it's in for five minutes shorter it won't be properly baked you know, and, and I, I sincerely hope we don't see loaves uh, like that at the Bread Awards because you'll be found out. It'll be there. It's evident to see. Now, when you're judging, can you? I'm, I'm just going to say, experience a loaf when you're when you're using all of your senses. Can you tell by experiencing the loaf with your senses this was baked incorrectly? They misused time and temperature. Is that something that you can? see through uh, yes is what i would is how i would answer that because the it won't be a stable crumb again it, it depends on the the category and the, and the type of loaf but yes if it's altogether rushed and, and rushing comes in putting loads of yeast in doesn't it to move it along and, and using hot water because you're in a hurry etc it's almost like cotton wool the crumb 
it's it's got no stability to it. I keep coming back to this word stable um, because that explains it. And it probably won't have the flavour either. And it's such a shame because why do you want to do that? You know, if this is one of nature's most natural foods and for goodness sake, it has been around since Bible times. Old sourdough, that great expression from the Californian pioneers, you know, what they were doing each day, they would always put a piece of the dough into the knapsack and, and that was the start of the next day, wasn't it? They always had this aroma about them of acidity. Well, that's because of the lump of sourdough that was in the knapsack on the back. It's such a shame when you can have such a pure, natural, made with passion and emotion, certainly from an artisan baker's point of view, to go and spoil it by saying, oh, we'll, we'll save 20 minutes here and red hot water in it. And if you're not careful, you could gelatinize starch too early. You could be killing yeast off if, if you're using, say, hot water. And oh, for goodness sake, no, you know, need to go to school and learn a little bit of science and that'll uh, give you a bit more respect, I hope. Yeah, yeah. And I think that just kind of reinforces the, the my earlier point that you can be efficient. You can automate the process for efficiency if you're doing it for the right reasons and not to just shave off a minute here, a minute there in order to crank out more. You can do better and do more and do it efficiently if you do it for the right reasons and maintain those artisan principles. Totally agree. You know, you're doing this every day, aren't you, in the business? So it's not just about the loaf that you're making today. It's tomorrow, the next day, and the repeat business, and then the reputation you're getting from that, uh, and, and the word of mouth. And, and that's how your custom will grow. No matter how much marketing you could throw at uh, what you do and who you are and what the business is, this, that, and the other, it comes down to the product. If that's not living up to what it should be, then the consumers will quickly tell you by walking elsewhere and not buying your product. And rightly so. It's such a fantastic product, is bread. It ticks all the boxes. It's so nutritious and, and uh, it's emotive. Uh, it's made by passionate people. just doesn't deserve to be uh, messed around with. Yeah, absolutely. So, Stephen... When you think about all of these incredible loaves that you're going to see during the Tip Tree World Bread Awards, I mean, there are 15 categories, so you're going to kind of see the whole gamut of artisan bread. If you were to talk to a baker who is either a commercial baker looking to create artisan products or an artisan baker looking to scale up, what would be two or three pieces of advice regarding time and temperature that they should not let go of? Don't rush for the sake of rushing. You know, let nature take its course. Keep doughs cold. So always work with a cool dough. If in a small environment, as a small business, you, you, uh, you haven't got the facility to chill your water, then chill the flour. Store your flour in a fridge. And that'll give you total control, allow you to process it. Uh, and it's surprising how easy that is. You know, just keep a few bags in the fridge and use, use it straight from the fridge. It'll give a very different texture to your dough when you're mixing it. feels like putty. And if you're adding yeast, you may um, wander 
did I put the yeast in or not? Incidentally, do you know the quickest way uh, to test whether you've put yeast in some dough or not? What is that? We have a golden rule in a bakery. You should never, ever speak to somebody that's weighing down ingredients. They should be left in peace. And, I, I, and if anybody goes up to them, they, they should tell them to clear off, really. Because, you know, it's if you get your ingredients weighed down wrong, you're not in a good place. And, and, and yeast is a classic in a bake. Oh, did I forget to put yeast in? And uh, so you quickest, and, and if you're working with a cold dough, you wouldn't be, you won't tell because it'll feel inert. So you take a little bit of yeast uh, and a menthol sweet size bit of dough and uh, get a little jug or receptacle, fill it with hot water and just pop the piece of dough into the hot water. And say a jug of hot water and it'll sink. And then within five seconds or so, if yeast is in there, it'll rise to the surface. If it stays at the bottom of your jug of hot water, there's no yeast in it. That's a very quick, incredibly inexpensive way of checking. <laughs> you think? But my, my advice would be to um, always work with cold doughs so you're in control of the dough and it's not in control of you. Let nature take its time if you're able to retard so that you know what you're making today, you're, you're going to slowly prove overnight and bake tomorrow. That will give you a better flavour. And in many people's uh, eyes and beliefs, a much softer crumb as well. Okay, I think the word of the day, for me at least, is control. You've mentioned it a few times, and I love your advice about making sure that the baker is in control of the dough and that the dough is not in control of the baker. And I think that that is an incredible principle to maintain when they're looking at automation, that they need automation that is going to put the control in their hands and not in the control of the dough. So that's really good advice, I think. Yeah, something always crops up. And, and you might just have to leave the table and, and go and do something or et cetera. And, and if you've got a dough that's fermenting away because it's too warm, et cetera, it becomes what we call very woolly and, and it's then hard to, to divide and mold. And you might have to then further process it by pinning it out. Whether you're doing this by hand or big scale, you know, the, the same applies all the way along. But if you're starting with something that, that's nice and cool and inert, it gives you breathing space. You're in control of it. It's not in control of you. Yep. Okay. I think that's a really good note to end on for this week. Next week, we are going to take a little bit of a step back in the process, but I did that on purpose because I think talking about the time and temperature was really important to sort of look at fermentation and going into the oven. But there's something that you have to consider, and that is mixing. And sometimes when you look at where a dough is going wrong or if a loaf comes out of the oven substandard, you have to go back and look at what happened in the bowl. So that's what we're going to do next week is talk about the principle of mixing and the artisan process and the impact that it can have on that entire process. So I'm excited for that. You're absolutely right, uh, Journey, because you can have the greatest of ingredients, you can have all the controls you've you like but if you've not mixed the dough effectively 
then uh, you're going to have problems uh, later on in the processing. So, uh, yes, let's talk about that next week. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast. We are excited to join the industry in person as an IBIE Gold Media Partner. Be sure to check out our IBIE monthly newsletter, IBIE Show Guide Digital Edition, and our IBIE booth trailers, all available at commercialbaking.com. Be on the lookout for exclusive digital content live from the show. And don't forget to visit us at booth 3125 in the West Hall. We'll see you in Las Vegas.